0: Uh, We're on Joseph's brethren, which starts in chapter 41, verse 53, all the way to chapter 47, and verse 10. In our outline, we talked about the mystery phase in chapter 41, verse 53. And we talked about how Joseph's brethren were burdened, Joseph's brethren were bewildered. And that leads us to where we are tonight in Genesis chapter number 44. Joseph's brethren are broken. Um, You remember the story? Uh, Their father sent them down to get food in Egypt because there was a great famine. And they did not recognize Joseph. They did not know who he was, but Joseph recognized them. The dreams of Joseph, I'm sure, came back to his thoughts as they bowed down before him, just as he dreamed and prophesied that they would. And uh, he told them that uh, they could go back, that they would keep, he would keep one brother, and, uh, but the only way they could come back and ask for more food is if they brought their younger brother with them, which Jacob said, no way uh ain't going to happen because he had not properly handled grief. We spent a long time talking about how to biblically handle grief. And, um, and unfortunately, he had the wrong example. Uh, but uh, in any case, the um, famine continued. And they're at a point now where they have no food. They need more food. And let's start reading in chapter 44 and in verse number 1 tonight. It says, And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sack with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn uh, money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, up follow after the men, And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth ye have done evil in so doing? And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan, how then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servant it be found, both let him die. and We also will be my Lord's bondmen. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word tonight. Would I take that uh, humbly and seriously? And I just pray, God, Lord, you just please uh, open our eyes that we would behold wondrous things out of thy law. Teach us your word tonight god help us and may we apply these things as we study this wonderful book and uh lord and to our daily lives today father we give you the praise for it all and in christ's name i pray amen jacob had said no way i'm not sending benjamin with you well if you remember uh reuben said you know dad please send us if anything happens you can kill my two kids what a jerk, father! All right, all right. I mean, seriously, you know, I, uh, I never quite got that. And Jacob was like, uh, no, all right. Um, uh, come on, that's weird. All right, all right. Can you imagine being those boys? Yeah, we're hungry. Whoa, what that? Whoa. Uh, you know. Uh, but then Judah said, or Jacob said, that's not going to happen. And then Judah spoke up, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What a change we see in Judah's life. The last time we had read of Judah, he had left the family. He's upset at the family. He leaves the family. He goes and marries a lost lady. Uh, and what a mess that passage of Scripture is. And, uh, and, uh, and all these things happen. And, uh, and that story really ends in a sad note. Judah has been caught in sin. Uh, he's he's, he's kind of hypocritical. And, and, uh, but obviously now he's come back home and he's gotten some things right. And by his testimony uh, and the change in him, I really believe the Lord had made a difference and change in his life, as all the brothers are going through. And, uh, and so Judah speaks up and says, Father, I will be surety. My, my life. Me for him. And, uh, and so finally, because of the lack of food and the pressure, uh, Jacob says, all right, go. They went down. They, um, Joseph runs them through these eight tests. You Remember those eight tests that we talked about? But there's one more test I said that they need The brothers needed to pass, in order for Joseph to feel comfortable that these men truly have changed, and that's what we're reading here tonight. We see Joseph's brethren broken. In verses one through three, I want you to see a conspiracy. It says, and he commanded the steward of his house, saying, "Fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth." Years ago, Joseph's brothers had conspired against him. They did it out of hatred. Joseph is now, he has his own conspiracy here, but his is out of love. He is hoping and praying that his brothers are truly changed men. So he has this last test for them, and the first thing he does, he tests, his, he tests their greed. He sends them back a second time now and says, all right, tells the steward, make sure you take all their, their bags there, fill them up with food as high as you can fill it, and then also put their money back the top of those sacks again now they would go and they would find that money just like they did the first time but they were then and still now willing to say hey we brought the money back the first time we are not thieves we do not want this money you know we just want to be honest and right they had sold joseph for a few pieces of silver but now that greed seems to be removed from their life a test was passed but the big test was not their greed it was their grudge. He told a steward, he said, "I want you to take my my cup." And every Egyptian studies history and learn about these things. I'm not saying it's right, and I don't think Joseph participated. I'm gonna throw that out there, all right? Uh, because I know the character of Joseph. But every Egyptian monarch, they had a special cup that was their cup. They would drink out of it. History says that they would take that they fill it with water. It was in gray, it had jewels embedded in it, and they'd put it in the light, and when the light shone through, the shadows that it cast would help them to determine the future. That's a, really, that's not, now, there is demonic activity in those things. I do not think for once that Joseph did that, because of his character all throughout. God directly spoke to Joseph. Joseph was a great man of character. Matter of fact, you can't really find any Thing that Joseph did in error uh, and in sin, although we know he did because he was a sinner. Uh, but but that was the cup in which he divineth, as the steward said. All right, that's why he said that phrase. All right, that was a cup that he would use, and he said, "Here, take this cup, put it in Benjamin's sack of food, because I want to see what happens." And um, so he, the steward, does that. Will the boys be glad that Benjamin's being taken and dealt with? Or how will they respond this time? Because they sure were glad to see Joseph gone. So let's see how they do with Benjamin. So you have the conspiracy and everything that he did. In verses 4 to 15, now we have the confrontation. So exactly what Joseph told him to do is exactly what happened. In verses 4 through 6, we have the steward's commission. It says, And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off, Joseph said unto his steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, Say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these same words. So the steward is sent out. He said, all right, you did it? And the steward's like, yeah, I, I did exactly what you said. They let the brothers get a little bit of distance off, and he says, all right, go after them. And he does. He chases them. He catches up with them. He tells them about the cup. And uh, the brothers are like, we didn't take anything. We promise, uh, you know, that, that's, that's not us. And, uh, and you see there, if anything's found, if we're guilty, may that person be put to death. And the steward agrees to this. And Again, I'm not going to get into all of this, but I do believe that um, all of this, is also a a picture of the day that's coming in the time of Jacob's trouble. There's coming seven years of tribulation. It could begin as early as tonight. I wouldn't have to make a drive. I'd fly out of here. That'd be awesome, right? Uh, You know, the rapture is the next event in God's timetable. Then we'll begin this time of Jacob's trouble, which has one purpose. God's spotlight will again be on his people the Jews for one thing to draw them back to him unfortunately what Israel is going to have to go through is an awful thing the antichrist is going to rise up act like he's their friend make peace with them he will then declare himself to be God to be king to be worshipped there in Jerusalem at the mid part three and a half years at that point he will turn against Israel being demonically inspired two thirds of all Israel will be slain terrible thing but at the end of those seven years according to the prophet those that remain that one-third that remain they will look to the heavens and say behold our God and God will return the Lord Jesus and he will say behold my people and all Israel as Paul said shall be saved that one third will all turn their hearts to the Lord a glorious day indeed but it's going to take this time of Jacob's trouble to turn the heart of the people of Israel I believe this is pictured here in the fact that this famine, this time of great trouble in Jacob's life, is being used by God to turn the hearts of the brothers, to turn the hearts of Jacob himself back and be restored with that of Joseph. I believe, even in the fact that right here, again, I'm just going to zoom past this, study for yourself, the fact that there is a chase here and a cup here and conviction here is exactly what you're going to see as the Lord will seek his people the divine cup of wrath will be poured out, and the part of the people will be turned back to God. That's for a whole nother sermon. We'll save it for a time later, all right? Uh, But you have the steward's commission in verses 4 through 6, and in verses 7 through 9, you have, excuse my word again. I said it this morning. I'm sorry. uh, But a stupid contract. Sorry about that word. Kid, you should not say that word. All right, a stupid contract, all right? Um, My mom would always say, don't say stupid. My dad would say, well, that's stupid. And I'd be like... (laughs) So we had a we loved a home was awesome. Uh, stupid contract, all right. Uh, you see, verses seven through eight, an appeal to the past. It says, "And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to the saying. We haven't done it." And he looks at the past. Behold, these brothers are speaking. The money which we found in our sacks' mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? Hey, remember. We didn't take it the first time. We brought it back. And then you see an appeal to the past. We didn't steal. We brought the money. We wouldn't do it. And then you see an assuming promise. In verse number nine, with whomsoever of thy servant it be found, both let him die. And we also will be my Lord's bondmen. If you find it, whoever stole this cup, let him be put to death. We'll all be your servants. We didn't take it. Can you imagine meeting a steward? He's probably like, I mean you got it. When you read, you gotta read the Bible and think about it, man. It's awesome reading, right? I mean, if I was a steward, I was like, excuse me. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But he's just like, oh, what's the deal again? Oh, well, let, let him be put to death. And we'll all be your servants. Say that one more time. Put to death. We'll all be your servants. Alright, all right, right. And they found it. In Benjamin's sack of food. A stupid contracting you see a surprise company to put it lightly, right? Verse number 10, he said, now also let it be according to your words. That steward said, all right, you said it. Uh, He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began with the eldest. Now, again, here's Travis Burke's imagination, right? Didn't you see Reuben? Yeah, good. See, told you. Judah, yeah, told you. Right? And everybody's like opening, he's going through everything, and it, all of them are just like, see? Come on. And they pull down Benjamin's sack, and they're like, yeah, see? And you can see the steward looking through it, and goes, hmm. And they all look at Benjamin, right? I mean, come on. Use your mind when you read, right? Can you imagine? It says, and they searched and began at the eldest and left, in verse 12, at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh, man. Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. I wrote down this outline under these few verses, alright? In verse number 10, I wrote down a smile. The steward, because I can only imagine him going, alright, sure. Let's do this. And then I wrote down this word, a search, in verse 11 and 12 as they went through everything and everyone. And then in verse number 13, I wrote the word sorrow. Sorrow. Oh the grief these boys rent their clothes which is a sign in the middle east of great mourning and sorrow they rent their clothes what, is, what happened you see them overwhelmed we're, we're doomed right there's no hope they came to this place for, and this is where Joseph wanted to see how they would react everything is out of their control now Everything is out of their control. And they are, quite frankly, by their own words, condemned. So you see this surprise company. Then you see a stern correction in verse 14 and 15. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there. And they fell before him on the ground. I mean, here they are again, as prophesied in the dream. They all fall before Joseph, who they didn't know yet. And they're all bowing before him on the ground. Verse 15. And Joseph said unto them, there was that stern correction. What deed is this that ye have done? Wot ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? Did not you know I would be able to know what happened? What have you done? And they're all groveling on the ground, right? I mean, you see, and I wrote down these three words in these verses. You see, penance and a presence... In a power. The men are falling down before Joseph in penance. They know they're wrong. You see Joseph's presence is there and he, he's, he's talking about the power he has. Don't you know what I can do? So we have here the conspiracy and we have the confrontation and then the rest of the chapter, and we'll wrap this up, you see the confession. The confession. How are the boys going to react? This is that next test, the final test. You see, first of all, an ignorant plea in verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17, an ignorant plea. And Judah said, There he is again. It's a changed man, isn't he? Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant, and as for you, get you up in peace unto your father. Judas speaks up, and this ignorant plea, I called it, he said, what can we say? I, I, we have nothing. But I want you to catch in verse number 16 an admission. A very, very important part of this passage and what Joseph is looking for. In verse number 16, Judas said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. What's Judas speaking of? Did they steal money? No. Did they steal the cup? No. So what's he admitting? Years ago, we did something evil. And God is judging us for this. They had never gotten it right with God. They had never gotten it right with their father. And now they're admitting it, and Judas speaks up, and he says, we know what's going on. In the same way that Jonah, when he was on that boat and the winds are blowing, and all, all the men on that boat were just like, what is going on? And Jonah said, I'll tell you what's going on. I'm running from God. But Judah here, he admits this. You see his admission. And then you see his, what I wrote down as his abdication in verse number 16. He said, we'll be your servants. Now, what he's also doing here is he's trying to protect Benjamin's life. Because right. they had made a deal. Whoever found that cup in their bag, they'd be put to death. And he just said, sir, we'll all be your servants. And Joseph's response, you see what I wrote down the arbitration. In verse number 17, Joseph's response says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. He said, all of you are free to go. Only the one who stole the cup will have to stay with me. Joseph knew what he was doing. He's going to test these guys. Are they all going to say, whoo, let's get out of Egypt, right? We just lost one. That's not bad. Eleven more. Let's go home, right? But how are they going to react? And Joseph's going to watch this very closely. You see this ignorant plea. And then you see in verses 18 to the rest of the chapter, verse 34, an intercessory prayer, which is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. As Judah is going to plead on behalf of his brother. In intercessory prayer in verses 18 to 34, you see Judah appeals, first of all, in verse number 18, to the Lord's, his Lord's talking about Joseph, his patience. Verse 18, Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant I pray thee speak a word in my Lord's ears. Let not thine anger burn against thy servant for thou art even as Pharaoh. As a Jew, as a shepherd, him suggesting this to the monarch in Egypt was a death sentence. Joseph had just said, go home. Benjamin staying. And he said, please, if I can, let me say something too in my Lord's ear. He appeals to Grace the patience of Joseph, who we didn't know yet. And I want you to keep this in mind as we look and close here at this intercessory prayer. God wants all of us to participate in intercessory prayer. Every one of us in this room ought to be praying for others. Our loved ones, our children, our parents, our neighbors. There ought to be people whose names we call out to God. And I want you to know his pattern here as he prays and may we apply it. But he first he appeals to his Lord's patience, asking for grace. And then in verses 19 to 23, he appeals to his Lord's purpose. His Lord's purpose. In verses 19 to 23, it says, My Lord, ask his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Thou sayest unto thy servants, bring him down to me, that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. imagine how that ripped at the heart of Joseph? And Thou, he says to Joseph, and thou saidest unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. He said, sir, this whole scenario was demanded by you. We we were starving. We were helpless and hopeless. And all we've done is what you've asked. This has been your plan. And he pleads according to his Lord's patience and to his Lord's purpose when we pray for others pray for ourselves let's go to the Lord asking for grace there's so many people that are lost and just like we are just like them we don't deserve a second chance let's go to the Lord according to his patience and to his purpose and the purpose of the Lord is to seek and to save that which was lost And we pray accordingly to the Lord's patience the Lord's per- purpose and in the Lord's pity Verses 24 to 31, it came to pass when we came up, thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. Now, he's going to appeal to the pity of Joseph. We didn't know it was Joseph yet, but, and and our father, verse 25, said, go again, buy us a little food. We said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother be, uh, if our, sorry, if our youngest brother be with us, then will we go down for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. And I saw him not since. Oh, can you imagine the heart of Joseph? <clears throat> He's telling about what Jacob has said. And if you take this also from me and mischief befall him, I think Jacob knew what had happened. You shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, and I want to pause there again. Incorrect grief is identifying with the deceased. Instead of identifying as a child of God, I'm not. I have experienced grief just like you in the last few years. I've had my family and loved ones, but m- Travis Burke, my identity can't be in my father or my sister. My identity is in I'm a child of God. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't sorrow. But we sorrow not as those who have no hope. Because I'm God's child. And when we identify as a child of God, that's the one thing that we have in this world that will never change. I may one day not be a father. I may one day not, not, not be a, a, a husband. I may one day not be a pastor. I may one day not, not, not be a teacher. But I will always be a child of God that will never change and our identity must be placed in that. Listen, every one of us, our identity must be placed in that. Jacob's identity, who he was, his life is bound up in the lad's life. If anything happened to him, I'm done. That's not how God wants us to live. Verse number 31, it shall come to pass when he see it that the lad is not with us, he will die and thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. Now he talks to Joseph and he says, please, sir, he appeals to the Lord's pity for our dad's sake. He's been grieving his one son's death. He can't handle another. Please be pitiful. Now they're doing everything they can to protect Benjamin and to look out for their father. And Joseph sees this. And he appeals lastly to his Lord's power. Verse number 32, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. He said, Sir, I am the surety my life for his now therefore I pray thee let thy servant abide instead of the lad a bondman to my lord and let the lad go up with his brethren for how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father sir I know I don't deserve to ask this and I come to you asking according to your patience I come to you because this is your purpose. You designed all of this. Please have pity. Please show compassion to my father. Keep me instead. You, sir, have the authority to do whatever you want to do. Keep me instead and let Benjamin go home. A little preview for next Sunday night. Chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph... Could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. Joseph said, My brothers have changed. What a glorious reunion is about to take place. Joseph's going to clear the room, he's going to reveal who he is to his brothers. Let me tell you what changed it their confession. Their admittance and that intercessory prayer based upon pity, patience, purpose, and power. I want you, as we dismiss from this place, to ask God to lay a heart, a burden upon your heart for someone. And this week, pray for them in appeal to the Lord's patience and purpose and pity and power. Pray for them. If they're sinning your life tonight, confess it let's ask god to forgive us and he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse every time so let's take the lesson let's apply it oh it's an exciting next week don't miss it we've been studying these chapters it's got a glorious moment can't wait to talk about it let's